You're listening to the Sunday Messages Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. How are you today? All right, me too. I am blessed as well. College football is back, so I'm double blessed. Anybody else excited about the college football season? UT fans out there? Aggies out there? All right, what about TCU? Anybody here in TCU? No. Baylor Bears, are you guys out there? Bobcats, where are you at? Bobcat victory last night, we gotta celebrate it. Big deal, so fun to watch them. I am here in my Bobcat pride. It's about as uh, excited as I get as, uh, uh, about Bobcat football, but it was fun last night watching them win and encouraged to see a lot of college football this season. That's not at all about what we're gonna talk about today. But uh, I wanted to mention it because we have a number of the football players that normally come here. They're not this, here this morning, but it is fun to celebrate a Bobcat victory. Okay, we are in this series called Limited, and we have been looking at the first church gathering and the things that they prioritize and how we also are called to uh, do the things that they did, practice these rhythms of discipleship. We're looking at four Gs. I want to start by recapping the last two weeks and then looking at where we're going to be this morning. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, this is the first church gathering, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they were devoted to doing what we're doing this morning, gathering together, reading God's word. And uh, then it says that they were, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So this awe was filling them with the fear of the Lord, with reverence as to what God was doing Then, and I don't know about you, but when I am filled with awe, my faith grows. And so they were growing up to become more like Jesus in that first church gathering. We looked at last week how Peter and John had a conversation which gave us many ingredients on how to grow our faith in God. And this morning, we're going to focus on these two verses. All the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were giving radically to one another, practicing radical generosity. And this morning, I don't want to talk about the importance of tithing and giving through the church or serving, although those things are very important. This morning, I want to talk about how, let's, yeah, these three things, these three ingredients that I believe create this radical generosity. See, many times we just hear the word give, and we think that we got to give out of this overflow, and sometimes it's not even overflow. We just feel like we're giving out of obligation, and I think one of the reasons why we don't give generously in general in life is because we're not stewarding the gifts that God has already given us. And oftentimes we're not stewarding the gifts that God has given to us because we haven't recognized the value of the inheritance that God has given over to us. And so these are my points. These are my questions. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to get out of here. Nope. We're going to go back to the beginning and talk about these because I believe they're so crucial to what God wants us to understand so that we can 
give radically, where we are selling stuff so that we can meet the needs, so that we can see this body, this church body and family, not only meet the needs inside, but also meet the needs out there. So starting with this first point, recognize my inheritance. There's this book, uh, there's this chapter in this book of Psalms, Psalm 16, where David speaks to his inheritance. Now, David is on the run at this point, so he's hiding, and he says this in Psalm 16. He has every right to say, oh my goodness, God, I don't know what was going to happen, or he can complain, or he can compare, but instead he says this, verse 5 of Psalm 16, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. What is my portion? What is your portion? What has God given to you right now? I want to talk about physically and spiritually. Physically, what is the portion that he has given to you in this season? Think about your job. What do you have to influence? What, what has God given to you so that you can steward? First, you got to recognize, all right, this is it. Maybe it's a rental property right now. Maybe it's a home. Maybe it's a ranch. We'll talk about ranches here in a little bit. Maybe he has given you, you feel like nothing or very little. The truth is, is that he's given each of us a portion, this word portion, cup, Lot, boundary lines, all in Psalm 16, speak to a generous God giving us something to steward. And in the book of Genesis, we read that he's given us the world to steward and cultivate. And then to his people, he gives them a name, Israel, and then he gives them uh, land. And so that looks different throughout the storyline of Scripture. But in our lives, what is my portion? Now, let's turn to spiritually. See, we can think only as to the dollar signs in our bank account and totally miss out what's most important. And that is our spiritual inheritance. In First Chronicles 29, verse 14, David, same King David, is now speaking at the end of his life. And he says, but who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. We give you only what you first gave us. It's easy to only think about the physical, but I want to take a moment and talk about this incredible beautiful inheritance, this portion that God has given to us spiritually. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Peter calls it out. He says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what has he given us? He has given us a new birth. He has given us a new beginning. He has blotted out our record of sin. He has created in us a new creation. And 
we now have hope, a living hope through not anything that we've done, but through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. What Peter is teaching us is that we always have a spiritual inheritance to look forward to. And it is so important to know this because otherwise we will define our inheritance by our earthly circumstance. And when we find ourselves in dire circumstance, it's then easy to look at God and say, Lord, it is not fair. If you are good, why is this happening to me? The truth is, is that in this world, we will have trouble, but we can take heart knowing that Jesus has overcome the world and has an inheritance for us that is incorruptible, indestructible, and un. In the late 1800s, there was a tragedy that occurred in the Atlantic Ocean. A ship uh, uh, sunk, and on it were this man, Horatio Spafford, four daughters, and his wife. His wife survived, but their four daughters perished on that tragic incident. And so his wife went back to England, was rescued. And and so Horatio boarded a ship and he sailed back. And the captain stopped right at the scene of the tragedy. And he said, this is the place that your daughters perished. And it is in because of that, that Horatio was inspired to write a hymn that we sing often. One of the verses says this, whatever my lot Whatever my portion, thou hast taught me to say, let's say it together, it is well, it is well with my soul. The only way that we can say it is well is if we recognize that we have a spiritual inheritance that has been purchased for us by the blood of the lamb. And y'all, that may be where you are right now. If you Answer the question, what is my portion? You may say, I am struggling. I am getting over a season of grief or maybe right in the midst of it. Let us take heart and know that Jesus has overcome this world and we have an unperishable, indestructible inheritance in heaven. This week in our nation, we lost three heroes, three Marines that perished off the coast of Australia that we're doing an exercise on an osprey. And our church family is grieving because one of those was uh, Paul and Mary Duns, one of our overseer and elders, son-in-law, Toby. Put his picture up because I want to honor him for 15 years of service to our country. And in his final moments, the reason why he passed away was because he was saving the rest of the men and the women that he was leading on that osprey. Over 20 survived. He did not. And Paul and Mary right now are in that season of grief. And uh, so I thought it would be appropriate for us not to honor Toby's memory and thank his wife Meredith for his uh, um, sacrifice, but also Lift them up in prayer. Mary Dunn told me this last week that the supernatural prayers have been made physical 
for them as they have felt the prayers of the saints. And so we, can we take a moment and pray for them this morning? We thank you, Lord, that we can call upon your name and ask that you would bring your peace to the Dunn family right now, to Meredith and to their three little girls, Lord, and the families of these two other Marines that are grieving right now. Lord, we pray that you would cover them with your loving arms, that you would give them strength as they grieve, as they mourn the life of Toby. And we thank you, Lord, that they know where their help comes from. That is you, Lord. And so we pray that their faith would strengthen them and that they would continue to have hope as uh, they traverse through this difficult season. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. That may be what your portion is in this season of life. It may be grief. It may be trouble. It may be hardship. Again, the good news is that we have an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance that no one can steal or take away, sealed for us in heaven. Isn't that good news? That is the best news that we could ever receive until we are face to face with Jesus. Recognize our portion. I hope we do that this week. And then the second point is that we need a steward our gifts. We need to recognize what we have, and then we got to steward it. That, that means we, we got to work it. Again, in the first chapter of the Bible, we get our first commandment, our first action point, and it's not go to church, and it's not not sin, it's not do good. It's this, be fruitful and multiply. God's given us a garden, and he's saying, hey, make sure that it continues to produce Fruit, and that doesn't only mean having babies, all right? It just doesn't. It means make sure that the fruit is delicious so that it can feed other people. Make sure that you work this garden that you plant and that you water the plants so that they grow fruit and that it nourishes other people. In chapter 2, it says this, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to do two things, to cultivate it, and to keep it. Stewarding our gifts means cultivating them and keeping them and protecting them. It does mean to work. We do not work to earn our way to heaven, but we work as a response to what Jesus has done for us. One of the reasons that I think blocks us from being so generous is is we're not stewarding that which God has given us to cultivate. And so how, how am I cultivating my gifts? That means practice. That means working at that which God has given to you. I love to see our gifts in action in a small scale here on Sunday morning. Our ushers ushering, our teachers teaching back there, our folks with the gift of hospitality, making everybody feel welcome in this place, our worship leaders leading us in song. So fun to see the body of Christ come together and cultivating our gifts. I want to highlight some things that keep us from doing that. Number one is that we focus more on what we don't have than on what we have been given. We focus more on what we want instead of what we actually have. And we're all prone to do this. Last week, we talked about this comparison game where we look at what our neighbor has and we say, I want that. And we miss out 
on the opportunity to steward that very portion that God has given to us. The easiest way to waste our inheritance, to waste our portion, is to not steward it. It's to not cultivate it. And I have a story that I've been very excited to share with you guys for a long time. It has to do with the pride of being a Texan. My wife has deep roots in the state, 1800s, Prince Psalms, New Braunfels. That's her ancestry. And I always thought, man, I'm a newcomer, 2003, 1800s, 2003. Well, recently I found out that my roots go even deeper than the New Braunfels clan. 1700s, here is my guy, Blas de la Garza Falcon, the father of South Texas, the first settler of Nueces County, the one who established the first mission. There he is. That's my ancestor, had and all. And uh, he, that's Corpus Christi, by the way, if you see his statue. Uh, um, so, so I have, um, I only know this by paper. I have no land to show that I'm related to him. No inheritance. In fact, uh, Oh, the reason why I know this is I did some research and uh, family either sold property or left. My family left, went back to Mexico, and um, this man named, last name King came around in the 1800s, bought all the land, and the rest is history. And so there goes my ranch in South Texas. No inheritance to go with the actual lineage or inheritance. Here's the thing. Whatever my lot, whatever our portion is, if we don't live it or steward it, it will go away. And God has given us certain things right now that he wants us to cultivate and to steward for the kingdom of God, to give God the glory. And the problem is, is that we leave it or we give it away to other worldly pursuits. Now, there's nothing wrong with selling a ranch. There's nothing wrong with making a change. But there's a difference between giving something because it edifies me to giving something that edifies the name of Jesus. His Holy Spirit is in that work of allowing us to do what he's asked us to do. And I came across this story in the book of 1 Kings, this man named Naboth. He's living the time of Ahab, and Ahab is a bad king, and he's married to a bad wife. Her name is Jezebel, and they do other terrible things, but this one anecdote is in 1 Kings 21, and it says, now Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And after this, Ahab said to Naboth, hey, give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near to my house. So why did he want it? Because it is near to his house. It was convenient for him to take it, that I may have it for a vegetable garden uh, and, and I will give you a better vineyard for it. So that's good. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its value in money. So it seems like a pretty fair trade, but check out what Naboth did. My hope is that we are more like him. He said, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. Here's what I think it's saying to us this morning. Let us give God what is God's. Let us not give something else what is God's. What am I talking about? Taking care of people. Whose business is that? Is that the government's business or is that God's business? That is God's business. That's the family of God that's been commissioned to love and to meet the needs of the vulnerable and to care for the orphan and the widow and those that are in distress. Let us not give to man what belongs to 
God, y'all, Naboth paid for it. Jezebel, uh, in her deceit, she ended up uh, creating a mob and they stoned him. He, he paid the price. My point is, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to give to God what is God's and not do what is, uh, or not give it to man. We need a steward and we need to cultivate our gifts. And what often distracts us is the scheme of man, the ways of the world. Here's the third thing that distracts us. Is sometimes we think that what we have is too little. We do not give because we just say, well, I don't have much. I just have very little. How can I give? And I want to read this scripture in Luke chapter 16. These are the words of Jesus. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We serve God by being faithful with the little that we have. And we trust God that when we are faithful with little, what does scripture say? More will be given. What that more is, I can't tell you that it's going to be money. I can't tell you that it's going to be that ranch in South Texas. But what I can tell you is that God will never leave us or forsake us, that it will satisfy us, that it will bring us everything that God wants to give us. We follow Jesus, and he is the one that chooses what our portion is, how big or how small. But the encouragement here is let us steward our gifts. Let us cultivate our gifts, even when little. Let us be faithful and pay attention to that. And lastly, Give generously. So once we recognize what is my portion, what is my inheritance, and, and, and we're stewarding those gifts, we're paying attention to what God has put right in front of us, then we give generously. We saw that in the first church where they were giving and selling their possessions so that there were no needs. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, very similar, it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Do we give cheerfully or do we give because we have to? Do we give because we feel guilty? Do we feel because we feel obligated when we truly recognize that God has given us everything that we need, just like it says in this verse? And we are stewarding in cultivating our gifts, what he has given to us. I really believe that out of that, we will give generously and cheerfully. Love how in the early church, they weren't, they didn't pass the offering plate. There wasn't this great message that they responded to. They just gave. 
It was an organic work of the Holy Spirit through them then. And I believe it's what's happening through us today because it's the same Holy Spirit working thousands of years later in this place so that we can be cheerful and generous and radical givers so that needs are being met here in this place and beyond. After all, all of this can be summed up with this. We serve a radical giver. We serve an incredibly generous God. I want to close with a story in the book of Genesis. This man named Abraham was chosen by God, and he was saying, hey, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you many, many sons. I'm going to give you great family. And he said, hey, follow me. And so Abraham did, and, and Abraham looked up and said, hey, God, where is that family that you promised me? I'm getting old. And sadly, Abraham went his own way, didn't trust God. But God remained faithful. That's what he does. He gave him this son named Isaac. And then God asked Abraham to be a radical giver and offer up his son Isaac to him, sacrifice his son. And so he does. Isaac follows his dad Abraham up this mountain, Mount Moriah, later, same mountain. That's where the temple was built. And Abraham, right before he sacrifices his son Isaac, says that the Lord provides a ram. And Abraham takes that ram and his son is spared. And that sacrifice pleases God the Father, the ram's sacrifice. Well, thousands of years later, God sent his one and only son, John three sixteen. He so loved you, he so loved me, he so loved the world that he gave. He did not spare his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but what? Inherit eternal life. Maybe that's where you need to start this morning. It's by accepting this free gift of grace from a radical giver, God himself, who gave us, his only son, so that we can share his inheritance forever. If you're able, please stand with me as we close in prayer. We thank you, God, for the gift of everlasting life. We thank you for the inheritance that we have to look forward to if we're in Christ. And if anyone has yet to say yes to Jesus, what a great Sunday morning to surrender our life to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow the risen Savior, Jesus. I want to encourage you. God is looking at your heart and he wants you to confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead. So I want to ask if you are ready to surrender your life for the first time to Jesus, to repeat these simple words after me and say, Jesus, this morning I surrender. I give you my life because you gave me yours. I choose to follow you all of my days. And I thank you for the free gift of grace and the promise of everlasting life in Jesus' name. And if you said that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to come forward and pray with someone. Start this journey off with the body, with the family of Christ and if you've already said that prayer and you're walking with Jesus, 
I hope that you can receive once again this gift that we've been generously given. And maybe approach the altar in a posture of humility. Maybe pray with someone here as well so that we can walk together through this. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.